For today's episode, I had the honor of interviewing Brooke Hemingway. She shares so many tips and tricks with us to be our healthiest. She used to be a fitness professional, ICU nurse, and now she runs over a seven-figure business. This lady does a lot. She has six kids, is an entrepreneur, a high-performance coach, a speaker, event creator, and she's one of the healthiest, most energetic people I know. If you have questions or want to dig deeper into the five pillars of health, book a free consult with me at bethepersonco.com. Brooke and I follow many of the same health practices. We also do the same supplement routine, and I would love to connect with you. Jeff and I are hosting the trip of a lifetime next April in Italy. It's at a five-star resort in Tuscany for the first four days. It includes biking, wine tasting, a private cooking class, all organic food. There'll be time for massages and workouts. The next two days will be spent exploring Rome with some unique tours. We would love for you to join us. I'll put the link in the show notes for additional information or message me. We hope to see you there. I've got a question for you. Who's the person you're being? Are you satisfied? It's okay. This is a judge-free zone, and it's exactly why I started the show. Welcome to Be The Person, a podcast for the brave and the curious who are ready to explore who they are fully created to be. I'm your host, Annie Randall, the adventurous one leading this investigative journey of transformation. By delving into topics and asking unexpected questions, we will discover the keys for unlocking our true potential and being our best selves today. You may be surprised by what you find when you let go of fear in order to discover the answers of becoming the person you were made to be. Welcome to Be The Person podcast. I'm excited to have Brooke Hemingway join me today. Brooke is really amazing. Brooke, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me on today. So, Brooke, I know that you have such a great story. And I, before we jump into the five pillars of health, would you share just a little bit about your story and how you got where you are? Yeah, so I am a mom of six kids. I have a lot of children between the ages of six and 17. I do have a background in health and wellness. I started out in the fitness world as a trainer and as an instructor. I did that for over 20 years and always loved being in that setting where I could empower people to move their bodies, to listen to some great music, to have fun in the studio. Um, but I also really had a passion for understanding health a little bit deeper. And so part of my journey also involved going back to school, getting a degree in nursing and working as an ICU nurse for 10 years. Um, I did that for 10 years. And towards the tail end of that, I was pregnant with my fifth. I was burnt out from working night shifts. I had an honest conversation with myself where I realized like I didn't see for myself a future in being a nurse. And I have so much respect for nurses and for the profession and what they have to do. However, I felt that as a nurse, I wasn't really living in my zone of genius. I wasn't really doing 
you know, my calling, I was not really necessarily a part of the solution. And I realized I needed to step away from that so that I could make room for something else. Didn't know what that was going to be. Honestly thought, I'm going to have a fifth kid. This is my last baby. Like, I don't want to be working. I'm just going to be a mom. And that lasted for about six months. And that's about it. Like, that's about how long I can <laughs> kind of like sit around. I, I do love to live a full life. I don't use the word busy. That's a swear word to me. But I love a full life. I love the action. I love the activity. I love to be engaged in good work. And so after about six months, uh, I had that baby. And I have a history of struggling with a ton of postpartum depression, anxiety, energy slumps, trouble sleeping, stress, bloating, gut health issues. I looked normal. And I think that's true for a lot of people. You know, you look normal. So everybody thinks you're really healthy. But I had all of these things that I struggled with, as well as, you know, things that a lot of people struggle with, which might be just cravings. Like I loved my sugar. I needed lots of caffeine to get through the day. I was exhausted without that and wanted to take naps. And so I knew something was off with me. And it wasn't just the fact that I had five kids because I'd been dealing with this for decades. And so I ended up going more the holistic route. I ended up studying gut health. I ended up studying more holistic hormonal and inflammation and gut health healing and how to get the body back into balance. I started to do some different things, had some different practices with how I ate and how I supplemented and how I moved. And I started to notice drastic changes in me. For me, I, I really felt like honestly, understanding health for the first time. And this was like at about 38 years of age. And I had been in the health field for almost 20 years at that point. And I felt like I had a whole new appreciation and understanding of health because I myself was starting to feel awake. I was starting to feel vibrant. I was starting to feel happier. I was starting to sleep. I didn't need all the caffeine. I didn't want all the sugar. And life just wasn't as hard because I felt better. That was about eight years ago now. And at the same time, I started a business. And I know that I never would have been able to be as successful at that business and the multiple businesses I've created since then if I had not first gotten my health right, if I had not first started to feel good myself physically and emotionally, because health, as we've all heard, is the first well. And unless you have that dialed in, everything else is going to be difficult. And so I learned that lesson for myself and I became an entrepreneur eight years ago, ended up having a sixth child. That was a kind of like, a, oh, wow, here we go. You know, I was almost 40, had the healthiest, best pregnancy of my life at almost 40 years of age, had a great recovery, created another business in that season of my life and have since gone on to you know, lead teams of thousands, coach, do events. And it all comes back for me to this base core foundation of having great physical and emotional health. And I learned that through my own testimony of really learning what it took for me to be able to feel like myself and then to be able to operate at a higher level in life and in business. I think we learned so much. You know, you you learned so much out of a textbook and I'm sure going through nursing school, getting all the certifications, being a fitness instructor. But then when it's your own journey, 
I think it just makes it so real and it hits home like, wait, what is health for me and what right. I need to do on a daily basis? Right. Yeah. And health continues to evolve, right? I mean, there are things that when I was first a trainer at, you know, San Diego State University, that's where I went and got my first degree in kinesiology. I was an SDSU girl. And the things that we were taught back then have since been proven to not be true. And so, you know, being on this journey of always wanting to learn, always wanting to grow, for all of you listening, you know, all of you that are tuned in today, never stop learning, never stop questioning. If something's not working for you or you're not feeling right or you go into your provider and you know something's wrong, keep researching, keep looking, keep trying to find the answers because the more you are willing to grow, the better quality of life you're going to live. Absolutely. Sometimes we just have to keep asking those questions and we don't know exactly what the answer is going to be. I know that's been the case for me on my own health journey of just continuing to ask. And sometimes it's asking multiple people until you get to the right one. Yes. Yes. So true. Always um, respect what people have to share with you. Be open. I tell people a lot of the times, um, you know, one of the reasons why I am where I am is because I decided to be open. And I used to be very close-minded. It was like black or white. This is what I learned in college. This is what science says. You know, this is what it is. And I realized that being closed-minded and being black and white was not helping me to feel better. And I kind of call it my sort of like, you know, I was sufficiently humbled eight years ago, right? I was pregnant with my fifth. I'd had her. I started to experience that postpartum depression and anxiety again. The cravings were up. I couldn't sleep, you know, racing mind, racing heart. And it was like, okay, I can either dig in my heels and say that I'm doing all of the things because I was doing all the things that I knew and keep getting the same result, or I can be open to trying something different. I can be open to trying supplementation. I can be open to changing the way that I eat. Um, I just, I had to be open. And I think if you're not open, you're going to keep experiencing the same results, whether it's in your business and your health and your relationships. So staying open has really brought me a lot of knowledge and of course, change in my life. Yeah. And you've created these five pillars of health which I love because when people can't see you, but you are like, I see you, especially on social media all the time. And you have these six kids, you have so much energy, you're always moving and going. And I love that. And you use the five pillars of health. Can you share those with us? Yeah. And of course, you know, we'll have a little discussion about this. I'm sure you're going to weigh in on these things because you also are, you know, so educated in health. And before I even start on that, I just want to again hone in on why it is so important. I have a couple of things that I say often, and I'm not sure if, you know, a lot of you here listening are entrepreneurs. I'm guessing a lot of you are entrepreneurs or you want to be entrepreneurs. I always say your body is your money maker. Your body is your money maker. And so if your body is in poor condition, in poor shape and does not feel well, you are never going to be making the amount of money or the impact that you would want to be making. Now, when people look at me and they're like, holy cow, you have six kids, you're 45. My husband is another incredible example. He's almost 50. Um, and we're both in, our, in the best shape of our lives, like living our best lives, 
keeping up with our teenagers, keeping up with our six and our eight-year-olds. You know, we're out there playing, skiing, hiking, surfing, biking, all of the things, because we understand that the quality of this vessel and what's happening with this vessel that I'm experiencing life in is absolutely going to have a direct impact on what I'm able to produce in my business. It's also going to have a direct impact on how I show up in relationship, whether it's romantic relationship with my partner, relationship with friends, relationship with business partners. What happens when you don't feel good? Well, I'll tell you what happens. When you don't feel good, then emotionally you don't feel good. You snap at people, you withdraw, you stop participating, you self-sabotage, you have doubts that come up, you have fears that come up, and it all stems from the fact that you don't feel good. And so then emotionally, you start to struggle and your resiliency goes down and your productivity goes down. And as that goes down, typically also whatever your spiritual practices are, right? That connection to your higher power, to God, to universe, to source, that starts to get severed as well because your brain is cloudy and emotionally you're not well. And so when people think that taking care of their health is about what they look like, the size of their waist, or, you know, it's about like being a certain, you know, fitness level, I'm like, that is absolutely what it's not about for me. For me, it's all about the experience that I'm able to create in my life through my relationships, my family, my businesses. And so as we start talking about this, I don't want you to tune out. It's so easy to tune out when someone's going to talk to us about health. We're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, I know, okay? You don't actually know something unless you're doing it, okay? You don't know, know something on a deep guttural level unless you're doing it. And I'm going to give you a couple like maybe different tips or hints or things with these five pillars that you can start to implement into your daily life that over time will compound, right? Now, I know if you're listening to Anne's podcast, she's probably talked about the compound effect and consistency and commitment. All of the best things in life come because of the compound effect. So when people might look at me and say, wow, you're fit, you have six kids, you're 45, it's a compound effect. And if you start today, a year from now, you won't even recognize yourself, both in your physical results and also in your life, business, and relationship results. And so the first pillar is hydration, right? And I say intelligent hydration. And what I mean by this is I think it's no surprise to you guys that our bodies are mostly made of water, right? We are mostly made of water. And the statistics are pretty staggering. The majority of us are chronically dehydrated. And so the way that I picture this is if I'm chronically dehydrated, it's like all those beautiful round cells are like raisins. You're like a dried up raisin inside of your body. Even your skin will start to look dried up. You won't have that glowing skin. You won't have the energy. You won't have the metabolism. Your body's going to try to conserve energy instead of produce energy. Um, you're going to have sluggish digestion, which means you're going to have backed up toxins and waste, and you can have up to 20 pounds of poop inside of you. And the only thing that happens there is you start reabsorbing some of that crap, literally, in the form of toxins and waste. And so the more hydrated you are, the more full and healthy your cells are. The better your metabolic processes run, the better your digestion and waste removal is, and the lighter, healthier, and happier you feel. 
Now, if you struggle to drink water, which was honestly a huge issue for me, I was a terrible water drinker and I was a great Diet Coke drinker eight years ago. Fantastic Diet Coke drinker. Some of you here listening might be fantastic Red Bull drinkers, Starbucks drinkers, Monster, Celsius. I think Celsius is all the craze now. But, you know, you might be really, really great at drinking lots of different things, but water, hydrating yourself for real, not so good at. And so one of the things that I started to make a rule for me is I started to live my days what I call top heavy. And top heavy meant that I would try to drink most of my water earlier in the day. I wake up in the morning, I have a glass in my bathroom that it's a bigger glass. I can fill it up and get at least 16 to 20 ounces of water. I just fill it up in my sink. If that grosses you all out, we live in the mountains. We have like the most incredible clean mountain water, but you do what you want to do with that. But I fill it up and I just guzzle that thing. First thing, I get it out of the way. And what it helps me to do is it kind of helps to flush out some of those toxins, kind of wake up the liver. Sometimes it'll stimulate digestion so you can have a great bowel movement in the morning. But mostly I do it because I'm like, sweet, I'm already 20 ounces in, right? I'm already winning the battle. And when you're thinking about hydration, you want to think of at least half your weight in ounces of water. That's a baseline. So if you're 150 pounds, we're looking at 75 ounces baseline. On top of that, your physical activity levels increase the amount of water that you would need. So if you're working out at a moderate or vigorous, you know, activity level for each 15 minutes, you're going to add eight more ounces. So if I'm going to work out for an hour, I'm going to need to add, I'm making myself do math today, 32 more ounces of water. So I'm going to be over that 100 ounce mark. I'm going to be looking for about 105, 107 ounces of water. So keep those numbers in mind and think about this little hack of I'm going to make my day top heavy. I'm going to guzzle 20 ounces and then I'm going to fill up a glass of water every time I go by the sink. And then before I eat any meal, I'm going to drink a glass of water. And you're going to find that you get to the end of the day and you're not feeling sluggish. You're not feeling exhausted. You're not feeling parched. And then you're not drinking like 40 ounces of water at night and you're up all night peeing because nobody wants to do that, right? That's going to impact our sleep. But the other thing I'll say about intelligent hydration is that water belongs with minerals and electrolytes. So we should in some way, shape or form be getting more minerals and electrolytes in our water at least once or twice a day. You could do a pinch of Himalayan sea salt. There are a few good supplements that are actually a good hydration supplement. I have one that I love to take. It's not super, super high in sodium like some of the electrolyte drinks are because some of those are kind of extreme. And unless you're really doing extreme sports and sweating a ton, you don't need a thousand milligrams in, a, in an electrolyte replacement drink. But you want to be replacing with something that's clean. So what I mean by that is walk away from the Gatorade, walk away from the Powerade, walk away from the Propel, walk away from any of these natural drinks that have sucralose in them, that have aspartame in them, that have Splenda in them, that have red dye, blue dye, yellow dye, that have sugar in them. Like there's so many different ingredients in hydration products and the drink industry is huge. I mean, just walk into a 7-Eleven. It's like all these crap, you know, energy drinks and 
crap hydration drinks that are doing more harm and damage than they are good. So you want to look for a clean replacement that doesn't have, you know, artificial sweeteners, colors, flavors. And you also really honestly want to stay away from just getting all that extra sugar in there. So hydration is number one. Um, I don't know. Have you always been a good water drinker, Anne? You know, I have gotten better over the years. I do a similar practice to you. I get up in the morning. I fill up a big glass of water. I squeeze half a lemon in it. I do one for Jeff, too, because he's a really bad water drinker. So I just make his right with mine so he'll do it. But, you know, I have to do I have to do a similar thing of really being conscious about it. And I line all of my water bottles up and what I'm going to drink throughout the day. I fill them all up because I don't like to take breaks during my work day. Like I, I leave all my dishes in the sink till the end of the day. It all waits. And then I deal with it. But if I know, if I make a plan for my hydration, I'm really good. If I think, well, I'll just go refill my water bottle. For me, I don't do it. No. I have to plan for it. But just this weekend, I was looking, I was cleaning out our cabinet. And I had some old things that I had gotten for our kids, the powder hydration bags. I looked and they had like nine grams of sugar in each packet. Right. It's way, way too much. And it was just eye-opening of like, oh my gosh, I, I'm throwing those away because right. my kids don't need that additional sugar. I don't need no. that additional sugar. Nobody nobody needs that additional sugar, right? And there's yes. there's a whole other podcast we could do on insulin resistance and sugar, but, but yes. we'll, we'll skip that today. But it's so true. Like if you're prepared with these habits and you start to make it a habit, it's not hard to do. It's just that when you're crash landing into your day and you have no, um, you have no plan, you're going to end up being dehydrated and that's going to lead to you snacking more, craving more unhealthy foods because honestly, dehydration is really what creates a lot of those cravings. And if you go have a big glass of water or some electrolytes in that water, you typically aren't going to want to eat that candy bar or you're not going to want to have those chips and salsa. You just needed hydration. So the second pillar is eat real food, okay? Now, I know this sounds pretty basic, but there's actually a really staggering statistic. I don't know if you've heard this, Anne, but 70% of children's diets nowadays is comprised of ultra-processed foods. Seven, zero, 70%. So that means it's not real food. And when I'm talking about real food, I'm like the food that God created. Like, you know, plants, animals, dairy, you know, things that grow in the ground or things that move on the earth. And the less real foods we are eating, the more toxic load and processed stuff we're putting into our body, which again can affect the gut microbiome, the speed of our digestion, our hormonal balance, our fat storage, our sleep cycles, our skin. I mean, it affects everything because... And it's so crazy. And when I went to college at San Diego State University, I'm not throwing shade at them, but I got a degree in kinesiology. And I remember being taught it didn't really matter what the calories were. It was calories in equals calories out. And there couldn't be a bigger lie because a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. A hundred calories of Oreos is not the same as a hundred calories of broccoli. Just isn't. Yes. Absolutely not. No. (laughs) Yes. And when I'm saying real foods, what I mean is my husband talks about the three B's. He has a health podcast and 
And he talks about avoiding the three Bs as often as possible. That's foods in bags, boxes, and with barcodes. So what that means for me in practical terms is most often when I go into, well, actually every time I go into a grocery store, I shop on the perimeter. I go on the perimeter. I start in the produce. Half my cart is like different produces. And then I go to the meats. And as much and as often as possible, we shop for organic things. It actually does matter that you're not taking in a lot of pesticides because, again, those are toxins. And there are certain people that have gene mutations such as MTHFR. It's about 40 to 50 percent of the population. If you have that mutation and you're constantly putting toxic things into your body, your body has a really hard time detoxifying. So as much and as often as possible, we'll buy the organic produce, we'll buy the organic meats and cheeses and milks. And sometimes that's not possible. Just do the best you can do. Shop in the periphery and shop for real ingredients. A lot of people have this idea that eating organic and eating real ingredients is expensive, but it's not. Because when you cook from real ingredients, you actually produce typically more food than what comes in that little box or that little frozen meal, which is only going to last you for maybe one dinner. Whereas we cook like a chili from scratch or, you know, some kind of dinner from scratch, we always have leftovers for another meal. It produces a lot of food and it produces high quality food. When we're eating ultra processed foods, we're also getting a lot more sugar. And sugar is something that is highly inflammatory to the body. It's highly inflammatory to the brain. So if you're someone that has autoimmune or aches and pains or brain fog or any kind of mental health issue, that's a brain health issue. That's too much inflammation in your brain, in your body. Your body starts attacking itself. And so coming back to the basics of eating real food will quite literally save your life. It will change the way that you feel. It will improve your hormone balance. And over time, especially if you decide to really dive into this, your palate will change. And, and you know, there, there's, there's people that actually all they study is how to make food hyper palatable, right? This ultra processed food, they're food engineers that study how to make you become addicted to these food-like substances. And so when you start to take the food-like substances out and you taste the real raspberries or you have the real pot roast with the carrots and potatoes and you start to reacquaint yourself with real food, you actually start to crave real food and your body feels more satisfied and satiated. Why is that? Because real foods have vitamins and minerals and polyphenols and phytonutrients, and it has all these different things that your cells actually really need that ultra-processed foods don't have. And because the ultra-processed foods don't have those things, your brain thinks it needs to eat more. And so your brain is like, eat more, go get some more, because your body is still lacking those key core nutrients that we used to get. And so if you're like, I don't understand why I'm still hungry. Well, you're eating a lot of ultra-processed food. It's not satiating and satisfying your body's needs. And so you're very calorie dense, but nutrient deficient. So eating those real foods is going to help with your metabolism. It's going to help with your energy. It's going to help with your digestion, with your gut health. And I promise you, I used to love foods like this. 
before I started working on my gut health and supplementing, I had the worst sugar cravings. I used to love chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream every night. I loved uh, Tostitos with melted cheese on them. And like, I would just go to town with like this hyper palatable food that once I started fixing my gut and started bringing in more real nutrient dense, pro nutrient dense, more protein high, healthy fats and stuff. I just don't want to eat that way anymore because once you start eating real food, you feel differently and you have a much different type of vibrancy and energy and you stop having the slumps too. That's been my experience with real food. I don't know about you, but that's been my oh, experience. That's 100% my experience. I was a processed girl for a lot of years, honestly, because I was busy. I was doing just businesses and kids and all this stuff. And I thought, I don't have time to do it. But you know what? When you start to take time, like you said, it just, and it's been a process for me over gosh, two or three years to get rid of a lot of the processed food. I'm not perfect, but I am 90% better than I used to be. I used to be yeah. the chocolate chip girl in the morning with a Diet Mountain Dew. So, oh, I'm, yeah. Yeah. If anybody right out, crack it open, 9.30 a.m. I'm like, this isn't too early, right? No, no. And you, you see what the food manufacturers are doing, that they really, their job is to get you to eat more. And yes. so when you start to replace that by real foods, and it's been a learning curve for me that, you know, for so many years, like, oh my gosh, fruits are bad because they have carbs or carbs are bad and uh, fats growing up. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't eat a fat gram growing up. And now I have a lot of fat in my diet with nuts and avocados and different lean meats. So it, it's definitely yeah. been a change, but I've experienced what you have. Yes. It's a game changer in how you feel, in your energy. Uh, in your mood as well, because when you're eating ultra processed or high sugar or artificial ingredients, it changes the microbiome in your gut. And your microbiome is hugely responsible for the way you feel emotionally. So if you have a child that's like really emotional all over the place, or you feel like your emotions are all over the place, you have to take a look at the diet. You absolutely have to take a look at that. And I know it's not easy, but I know it's possible. So the third pillar for me is movement. And when I think about movement, I honestly think about our ancestors. I think about how they live their lives. I think about even with food as well. I think, okay, what would an ancestral diet look like? Well, pretty much no processed food. What would an ancestral, you know, like, like my ancestors, what would they be doing? They'd be walking everywhere. They wouldn't be sitting all day, right? Sitting is the new smoking. If we sit all day, it definitely creates health risk. And so I try to incorporate movement into daily living. My latest thing that you've probably seen me talking about a lot, Anne, is taking things that you do sedentary on a walk with you. So for example, if I need to take a business call and I don't have to be on a Zoom or my mom wants to call me or I need to call up a friend, I am not going to be sitting on my butt taking that call. I am going to go take a walk. I'm going to put my earbuds in or I'm going to have it on speakerphone. And I'm going to get three, four, five, sometimes six miles in just from doing things that I could do sitting. Same thing goes for how many of you guys here as entrepreneurs, you have to answer DMs, you have to answer Instagram messages, you have to write posts, you have to answer emails, 
You have to deal with employee things. Could you, within reason, take those things on a walk? Or could you, within reason, get on your Peloton and start pedaling or your recumbent bike or take it on a hike? Chances are you could. And so I want you to entertain this idea that movement is not about a workout. Movement is about activities of daily living. And those who are most active win. Those who are most active keep their mental capacity as they age. Those who are most active keep their weight down. Those who are most active have less chronic diseases, aches and pains, autoimmune issues. So I want you to look at it as activities of daily living. How could I incorporate that in? Just last week, there were like a couple days in a row where I basically got 10 miles in a day, 10 miles. And it was through taking various calls, answering DMs, you know, answering questions. Like eight miles of those 10 were me walking. I happened to be in the mountains. It was really cold that week. I happened to have invested in a treadmill, which I think is phenomenal if you live in a wintry area. And so I did eight miles of those walking at a 6% incline at three and a half miles an hour. I felt fantastic at the end of the day. What happens when you start moving is you start generating energy. You are the power plant. You generate the energy. So if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I would be so tired. Well, I'm not telling you to walk 10 miles if you haven't ever done that. I'm saying start with two or three miles a day. You're going to find that at the end of the day, you actually feel better physically and emotionally. You're way more energetic. But the second thing that I started to do with movement is, I don't know about you, Anne, but I'm a mom. I have businesses. I have a lot going on. And about four or five years ago, I started telling myself this lie that I didn't have time or I would get to exercise later. And I was so busy with babies and with business that I started to fall out of some of my activities. I wasn't lifting weights. I wasn't running. I wasn't doing things on a consistent basis. And what happened is my business started to go down. I started to experience more depression and anxiety again. All these things were coming back. And I had sort of a come to Jesus moment. And I was like, Brooke, if you don't have 20 minutes a day, you don't have a life. And so I committed to something that I call six for six. And it's six for six means I am committed to investing at least six days a week, at least 20 minutes in those six days of physical activity. I don't care what it is or where I am in the world. I'm walking, I'm doing squats and push-ups in the hotel room. I'm running, I'm hiking, I'm what I'm doing yoga, whatever it is. I stopped deciding that exercise was a way for me to get skinny and a way for me to look a certain way. And I started deciding that me being active every single day was about me learning to trust myself build a commitment with myself and have ongoing energy every single day. And so for the past four and a half years, that's the commitment I've kept to myself. And some days it truly just is a 20 minute walk or some days it's uh, 20 minutes of yoga. It's not always an hour long, super hard workout or walking and running 10 miles. But even if it's nine o'clock at night, 930, even 10 o'clock at night, if I haven't done it, I tell my husband, hey, babe, you got to walk me. We got to go walk for 20 minutes because I made that commitment with myself. And keeping a commitment to yourself over time will result in your best health. And it will also be something that bleeds into everything else in your life. Because if you can't keep a commitment to move your body 20, 20 minutes a day, you probably aren't keeping commitments in your business. 
you probably aren't keeping commitments towards your dreams and your goals. So it's about more than what you look like. So that's movement. Now, well, so much of what you just said. Only yeah. because, yeah, that's, that was me too, of deciding. Like, I am going to move my body every, every day. And for so many years, for me, it was about what size are my jeans and what does that number on the scale say? And it's not anymore. It's just about being the best. And it's like you said, when you do that and you make a commitment to my to yourself, I do it with push-ups. I do 25 push-ups a day regardless. I do other things too, but push-ups are something I do every single day. And yeah. if I get in bed and I have to get out of bed, I'm like, I'm going to do it because I know if I keep that commitment to myself, I trust myself then. Yes. Yes. And it always seems like it's not enough. I mean, how many of us have played this game like, oh, well, if I'm not totally sweating and dying or if it's not an hour, it's not enough. I will tell you that since I started keeping six for six, I look healthier than I've ever looked in my life. And I didn't do it for looks, but it just proves that that consistency and that commitment, like over time, it really pays off. And so, you know, when it comes to movement, this also for me, um, moves into the next pillar, which is stress and sleep. Now, stress and sleep are so important to your overall health. And the thing about stress is obviously movement is a natural stress reliever, right? You, you release all of these uh, neurochemicals that help to improve your mood and reduce stress and improve hormones and so many wonderful things happen. But when it comes to stress, the way that you perceive stress is actually the biggest indicator in whether or not it's going to lead to poor health or whether or not you're actually going to have better health. So what you think about your stress is the most important thing. If you freak out every time you're stressed, if you just like create this whole stress story and you go down the rabbit hole and you pile on negative thoughts about the stress, it is going to create health issues. But if you see stress as a challenge, if you see stress as an opportunity to overcome, if you see stress as a way to break through to new levels of growth, of, of business expansion, of breaking through in your relationships, like if you see stress as a positive growth tool, stress will actually be something that can help you to be healthier. That's what I want to say about stress. What you think about it is what matters most. But also when it comes to stress and your health, there are other things that can have a positive impact. One of them is just having human contact and real relationships. People that talk to someone every single day, that have a hug, that have genuine friendships and connection, have lower levels of stress. And clinically speaking, they live longer lives. Your happiness and your connection and your relationships is actually one of the biggest indicators of living a long, healthy life. And your stress levels go way down so checking in and asking yourself, am I trying to do everything on my own? Am I connecting with people? Am I asking for support? Am I asking for help? Or am I on an island trying to do everything and figure out everything on my own? How's that working for you? Chances are you probably feel terrible. You have migraines. You can't sleep. Your stomach's in knots. You're putting on weight. All the things are happening when really you could just be like, you know what? I need to connect with people. I need to ask for help. I need to let down my guard. And I need to just let myself be vulnerable. That is going to be huge for reducing your stress. When it comes to sleep, um, sleep, I don't know about you, Anne, but sleep 
as I've gotten older, I have realized how vitally important this is to my health. Like I can feel the inflammation in my body 10x if I only sleep six hours or less. I can feel the stress. I can feel my cravings change. I feel like I gain five pounds overnight if I sleep five or six hours. And, and this is like literally what happens when you are sleep deprived, especially over time. And if you are in your 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond, is your body becomes inflamed. When you sleep is when your body heals. It's when your body does even something called autophagy or self-eating. And, and what that means is, is your body starts to eat up diseased cells or diseased things or old cells. It starts to chomp them up and process them so that it can get rid of them or extract out the nutrients from them to create new healthy cells. And if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not engaging in autophagy. You're not letting your body heal. Your body is chronically under stress and your body is chronically inflamed. Now, listen, I had six kids in, I want to say, 11 years. So sleep was not really a priority for about a dozen years or longer, maybe until the last couple of years, when I realized I can't stay up super late and work on those projects. I can't do that to myself because I pay the next day and I don't want to eat healthily and I feel the inflammation. And when we get less sleep and we're under stress and we have chronic inflammation, what's next is autoimmune diseases, right? All of those things start to come on digestive issues, skin issues, hair loss, weight gain, all of these things. And if we can just peel it back to reducing stress and gradually over time increasing our sleep, you will find a world of difference. So if you struggle with this, I'm just going to have you entertain the three, two, one rule. That is that three hours before you go to sleep, stop eating. If you eat right before you go to bed, it messes with your sleep cycle and also your metabolism. The second thing is two hours before you go to sleep, do not engage in vigorous physical activity. We're not going to do P90X or run 10 miles at nine o'clock at night. I know I just talked about movement, but I said 20 minutes, right? If it's nine or 10 o'clock at night, maybe I'm doing some push-ups or some yoga or I'm taking a walk. I'm not going to do some crazy workout that's gonna pump the adrenaline and wake me up. So two hours before you go to bed, no vigorous physical activity. And then one hour before bed, reducing any exposure to electronics. We know that blue light and electronics and all of the mental health things like comparison or getting agitated, all of those things come up when we're answering emails and doing work and scrolling social media and answering texts. It's like your brain never gets to shut off. And also the blue light messes with that circadian rhythm. If you're listening to me and you're like, you're insane, that's too many hours before bedtime. Just peel it back to maybe this. Two hours, one hour and half an hour. Two hours before bed, don't eat. One hour before bed, don't do really vigorous physical activity. 30 minutes before bed, put the dang phone away. Put the computer away. Put your devices down. But just start to make those gradual adjustments to buy back some of your time in sleep and rest. I think you're a good sleeper, Anne. I've gotten better over the years. This has been something that I've had to work on for a lot of years. I just felt like it was a waste of time. Like I could be more productive if I was going and doing 
And it wasn't until I just about came crashing down that I was like, you know what? I, I need to recover and I need sleep. And now I'm a big tracker. I love my aura ring every night. I track my sleep and just see it, it is real important to me to get a good amount of sleep. Yeah. Well, and one of the first things that I ask people, especially if they come to me and they're frustrated because they want to lose weight, I ask them, how much are you sleeping and how's the quality of your sleep? You cannot effectively lose weight and maintain a healthy weight if over time you're not getting the sleep that you need. Your cortisol levels will be spiked. And when cortisol levels are spiked, you retain that belly fat. You start to have insulin resistance issues. Doesn't matter how active you've been your whole life, things will start to come crashing down. Then perhaps you'll start to experience things like adrenal fatigue where you're completely burnt out. And so I just, I cannot stress, even if all you can do right now is buy back 15 minutes of your sleep, start to move that clock back 15 minutes. That's what I started doing a few years ago because I had this habit of staying up till 1, 1.32, getting up at 6.37 with my kids. And so I started to tell myself, okay, midnight's the goal. And then it was 11.30 and then it was 11 and 10.30. And now the goal is closer to 10. I'm like, oh, if I can get to bed by 10 and some nights even earlier than that, I have so much energy the next day. I eat so much better. My workouts are so much better. My face isn't puffy. My hands aren't puffy. It is life changing. That's the fourth pillar. And then the fifth pillar is supporting your body through supplementation, supporting your body through supplementation. So this is actually kind of funny because before I ever supplemented or supported my body with supplements, I was anti-supplement. My husband is a physician. He was an ER physician for 20 years. He now also does integrative and functional medicine um, and has had training in that. And we both were anti-supplements. We just thought you just need to eat healthy and exercise and supplements are just expensive pee. And we were those people that were super anti. But what I discovered eight years ago when I was going through this transition in my own kind of health crisis with energy and depression and anxiety and digestive issues is like, I was exercising every day. I did have my Diet Cokes and I did like my sugar, but we ate a lot of fruits and veggies. And we were living on Kauai at the time. And anyone that's listening to this podcast that's ever been to Kauai, you couldn't eat at Chick-fil-A if you wanted to because it's just not there. And there's like no fast food anywhere near our town. And so like I wasn't like having like a lot of those trigger foods and fast foods and, you know, things that a lot of people are eating because it wasn't accessible. So I was really frustrated because I was doing a lot of the healthy things and I don't drink at all. I don't smoke. I've never used drugs. I was like, what is going on? And so I finally got to this point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to trust and I'm going to try something to help me. And so when it comes to supplementation, I want you to understand this about supplementation. Not all supplements are created equal. You have to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Centrum vitamins of what you're buying at Walgreens or Costco, typically not high quality. Some of the things could be high quality, but you have to learn how to read labels. And you have to learn to understand what is a clean supplement, what is bioavailable, what is something that your body can actually use and integrate into the cells and into the lining of the gut through probiotics. And so you do have to learn how to understand supplements, but it's not rocket science. 
And the other thing that you want to know about supplements is that supplements do not make up for a multitude of sins in your life. So if you're like, cool, I'm going to take some supplements, then I'm going to drink a six pack. I'm going to go to McDonald's for breakfast and lunch. I'm not going to work out. Why aren't these supplements helping me? Well, if you're taking supplements and all you're doing is putting garbage into your body, you are not allowing the supplements to work for you. Supplements are not a magic pill. They're not a quick fix. They're not designed to take the place of you eating real food and moving your body and sleeping. They are designed to support, right? Sup, supplements, support. It's support. It fills in the gaps. It fills in the holes. It fills in the things that we're not getting from our diet. And here's the thing to understand is that even if you are eating a healthy diet, our foods are not grown the way that they used to be. We have monocropping. We have soil depletion. We have overcropping. We have loss of heirloom species. Most of the produce you eat from Costco or the grocery store was picked three, six, nine, 12 months ago and sits at 34 degrees in cold storage before it makes it to the grocery store. You know how sometimes you go to the grocery store and you buy grapes and like the whole vine is like shrivelly and old? Yeah. yeah, that was picked a really long time ago. So just think of it this way. If you're like a real logical person, those grapes were grown on the vine. They got their nutrients from the earth that the vine sucked those nutrients up and put it into the grapes, right? Plucked from the vine, it sits in cold storage. It's no longer being flooded with and filled with nutrients. It's sitting there. And each day, each week, each month, it sits in storage. It's losing nutritional value. And so even if you are eating a variety and you're doing really good and you're eating organic foods, chances are you're deficient in a lot of key nutrients. And that's where supplements come in. The second thing is most people nowadays don't eat in a super probiotic rich way. We're not making our own sauerkraut or eating lots of kimchi or kefir or just probiotic rich foods, right? I know kombucha is all the rage and everyone's like, well, I drink kombucha. And I'm like, oh yeah, probably with a lot of sugar in it too, right? Yes. Because in yeah. order to make that kombucha taste good, it's probably got like 30 grams of sugar. Guess what else loves sugar? Yeast. That bad yeast in your gut. So I always kind of laugh at kombucha because I'm like, yeah, there's some good probiotics in there, but also a lot of sugar to feed the bad yeast in your gut. And so we don't tend to eat in that super probiotic rich way. We're not getting a variety of strains. And put on top of that, the stresses we're under, the chemicals, toxins, pesticides we're exposed to, the over-the-counter and prescription medications that we sometimes take, the overabundance of sugar, even if we're trying to eat really good, I can't even tell you my pet peeve with labels, natural, organic, and you look at this thing of granola and it's like 45 grams of sugar per serving, okay? What loves sugar? Yeast. Most of us have way too much yeast in our gut and it's creating a host of problems between bad and good bacteria. And so we need to be taking supplements to support our gut health. And we're not getting enough support through what we eat because we tend to not eat in a way that supports good gut health. Now, an interesting thing happens when you start to give your body the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, probiotics, prebiotics that your body needs, you actually start to crave differently because you're changing those key organisms that influence and send the signals to the brain for what to eat. 
when you have more bacteria in your gut that's bad or things like candida yeast, that is going to love sugar and it's going to tell your brain, feed me sugar. It's why every night before I started working on my gut health and supplementing, I would, no joke, sit on the couch. I'd put my kids to bed by 8, 8.30 because they had to go to bed or else someone was going to, you know, someone was going to fall apart. That was me. I had no emotional resiliency back then. I'd sit down on the couch. I'd turn on my HGTV and it's like little grem gremlins inside of me were like, go get the cookie dough ice cream. Go get the cookie dough ice cream. And I could not stay on the couch. And you might think, man, I don't have willpower. And I say, no, you have trillions of microbes in your gut that want sugar. And they will make sure to tell your brain. And they are living organisms. You are more non-human cells than you are human cells. And those organisms in your gut are controlling things. They're controlling your weight. They're controlling what you want to eat. They're controlling your mood. They're controlling your immunity. They're controlling what your skin looks like. Over the last eight years, I'm like, I look way younger and I have an extra kid. And it has to do with gut health and supplementing. And so I just encourage you, if you've been anti-supplement or you just haven't been clear on what to take, I know Anne's a great resource. There's lots of great resources out there. But don't be resistant to this idea that you need extra support. And supplements are just a part of your nutritional budget. And when your body starts getting what it needs, it wakes up and it feels completely different and you start making healthier choices as well. So those are what I call the five pillars of health. And those are the things that I have seen contribute to incredible health for myself, for my husband, who's getting close to 50, and also our six kids who are so dang healthy. I love those. And I just, I couldn't agree more on the supplementation. For me, that's always been really important and part of my nutritional budget, like you say. But I kind of came across gut health on accident with uh, one of my sons needed some extra help in that area. And we tried different things and I tried it with him. And I was amazed at how much better I slept and the difference in my skin. I, I went off an antibiotic. I was on for 20 years for my skin. And so it has made a huge difference too in sugar cravings. I was the same girl sitting on the couch being like, don't open that refrigerator. Don't pull out the freezer. You're going to get in there and you're not going to stop. And it just made it a lot easier. So it, it definitely gut health makes a huge difference. It sure does. And really, for me, all of these pillars um, of health are about just caring for yourself. Being in a loving relationship with yourself, right? We hear all the time, all this self-care stuff. And I'm all about self-care, but so often we're spending a lot of money on superficial self-care. We'll get our hair done. We'll get our lashes done. We'll get our nails done. We'll go buy a new cute outfit. All these superficial things. But a superficial thing will never be as powerful as a soul deep thing, as an inner thing, as taking care of yourself from the inside out. And when you live these five pillars, you radiate health, you radiate wellness, you radiate energy. And that is the true hack. That is true self-care is taking care of yourself through these five pillars. And if you take care of yourself, your body will take you wherever you need to go. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those. I think you're right. A lot of them 
would probably know. But to step back and say, am I really doing this, though, is a whole different story. I know there's a couple of things I need to work on after hearing. <laughs> we all do, right? We all yes. have things we need to work on. It's a working process. Yes. But tell us, Brooke, I know that you host an amazing event in January. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that started happening for me is I started to grow incredible businesses, became an entrepreneur, a coach, a speaker, a mentor, did events, masterminds, um, coached other women on building their businesses, created a health business. And I just found that I fell in love with helping entrepreneurs to create the life that they love and the life of their dreams. But I also understood that a lot of people that get into entrepreneurship end up really out of alignment. And oftentimes they burn out before they realize their dream or they walk away from their dream because it feels too hard and they just don't quite figure out. I hate to use this word balance because it's not balance, it's alignment. And so I went through my own period about five years ago where I almost burnt out. I almost walked away from entrepreneurship before I'd created a lot of what I've created. And I learned a lot of valuable lessons and I did the deep work and the hard work uh, to figure out how to find alignment. And so I've created this incredible event. It's uh, typically about 200 to, uh, 200 to 300 entrepreneurs that come together. It's a three-day conference for creative entrepreneurs, for people in business. Maybe you're not even in business yet. Maybe you just have a dream. You have an idea. You want to be in a positive community with growth-oriented people. And we come together for three days and we work on our personal growth. We work on our businesses. We work on our dreams. And we start the year off with a bang. It happens in January, January 18th, 19th, and 20th. This year, we're doing it in San Antonio on the Riverwalk. I take it on the road, but always to a warm place so you can escape the cold if you're in the cold. Um, and I would love to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur, if anything I've spoken about today spoke to you, we, we of course talk about health. But we go way beyond that. We talk a lot about relationships, growing your network, branding, marketing, overcoming obstacles and challenges. And this year's theme is breakthrough because we want to help you to have your breakthrough year in business and life. Um, so if you're, you're interested, you can go to alignaventslive.com and grab a ticket. And I would love to see you there. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to really try and attend in January, so I want to be part of it. I'll put the link in our show notes as well. But tell us, too, the best way to connect with you, because I imagine people listening are like, wow, I want what she has. I want to follow. I want to learn from her. How would they best do that? Um, I think, honestly, either through my website, which is just brookhemingway.com, or through Instagram, at Hemingway Half Dozen, because I've got a half dozen babies. So you can find me there or on my website. I'll put both of those in our show notes as well. But Brooke, thank you for sharing so much valuable information. I know you're a very busy lady and I appreciate you taking time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks everyone for joining Be The Person podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks so much.